Hey, hey, kids, you're listening to A Couple of Annoyed Grunt Boys, and this is the 138th Simpsons Podcast. That's right, we're The Simpsons Podcast that discusses the beloved animated sitcom The Simpsons, seasons 11 and beyond, and the new episodes when they air. Why do we do it this way? Well, the entity known as Wheel of Random has cursed us to only watch those episodes, because there's plenty of other podcasts out there that have discussed the Golden Age, that being seasons 1 through 10. So we want to see if there's episodes that can match those Golden Age episodes. And when I say we, I'm just one annoyed grunt boy named Craig. With me, as always, is the other annoyed grunt boy named Steve. Hey, Craig. Hello, Steve. Big Simpsons news. I don't know if you guys uh, picked up the uh, New York Times this Sunday. <laughs> you know, I was at a coffee shop this Sunday, <laughs> and I saw they had like the New York Times Sunday for sale. Is eight dollars and fifty cents? Is that how Jeez, much a yeah. Sunday paper cost? Eight fifty? Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Like I remember when the New York Times was the expensive one, and it cost three dollars for the weekend. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyways, uh, no, it was on the internet that uh, <laughs> recently people assumed that Homer said he stopped strangling Bart. Right now, mm-hmm. the podcast. I think we've been saying for the past couple of years that oh yeah, they're not doing it anymore. In fact, yeah, they haven't strangled Bart since season thirty-one that uh, Bart has uh, been strangled by his dad. They were talking about how McMansion in a wife episode that uh, when you know, he meets the neighbors and he says, uh, oh, strong handshake there, Mr. Simpson. And he's like, oh, yeah, I have had years of strangling, in fact, strangling the boy. And he's like, ah, just kidding. We don't do that anymore. But now James L. Brooks, you know, one of the producers, says that, uh, no, they'll continue strangling the boy. <laughs> but they haven't. So Right. How much do you think James L. Brooks interacts with what's going on over at uh, the Simpsons studio. I don't think that much. I'm assuming he just is his his billion dollar paychecks from from the 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 Simpsons, you know. Like yeah. How, gets... Like how how hands on are the James L. Brooks and the uh Matt Groening's? I don't think much at all. I think that they're about as active as Sam Simon is with the Simpsons at this point. That's just your personal opinion. Yeah, that's right. It's so funny when like there's these think pieces about the Simpsons that come up about how it's changed or it will change. And then it's stuff like uh, Simpsons fans know about already and that we've been experiencing for years that I think that they just want a talking head. So they talk to like somebody like James Brooks, who's like probably doesn't even care anymore. He's just like you say, probably just lives his life and doesn't think about the Simpsons on a daily basis like we do. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he cares deeply. Yeah, we don't know. You don't uh, really see much James L. Brooks interviews out there. Unless you do, and I'm not looking at the right spots. Has he been on WTF with Mark Maron? I want to say yes, but I don't <laughs> honestly know. <laughs> He's not like Joe Rogan every week. We just don't know. <laughs> right, right. He's probably on The Office, ladies. <laughs> yeah. Was he a producer of The Office? No, I don't think so. Just a big fan. He loves, I, yeah. he loves Dwight. <laughs> Steve, uh, we're going to have to day stamp this podcast. Usually we record these like in the uh, evening. Mm-hmm. Today we're doing a very special morning show. And uh, Steve, I don't think our moms would like us drinking beer in the morning. No, it's too early. And especially since this is a mom-centric episode. So Steve, I think we're going to have to say, sorry, beer corner, we're not going to you this week. (laughs) Guess we should just get in with this week's episode. Steve, let's go back in time to November 12th, 2023. Oh, yes. Episode airs. Steve, what was the... uh, Number one movie in the box office for this week? Oh, well, Craig, it was 
The Marvels. Now, uh, Steve, I'm assuming you didn't go see it. I did not. And that's because Steve hates <laughs> women and doesn't want to see women succeed in Hollywood. Isn't that right, Steve? Yeah. No, actually, if I'm being honest, like, I saw trailers for it, and I'm like, that looks kind of fun. Like, yeah. the weird cat thing looks good. I like the concept of it, of, like, a little girl kind of becoming Miss Marvel. Like, it, it, it seems like a fun time. Yeah, I, I'm planning on seeing it uh, later this week. So, uh, of course, I got to watch all the Marvels. You know, you're coming off strong from the very strong season finale of season two of Loki. Mm-hmm. You want to take a little Marvel break. Maybe that's why uh, people are, no, it's just the internet. They're full of assholes. Well, it's silly, too, because like they're like, oh, it, it did so poorly, but it's just coming off of a strike when nobody could promote it. Right. So it's not that surprising that it didn't do like gangbusters. And also, there is a bit of a Marvel fatigue, but I think this is a great movie for like teen girls because it, they don't get a lot of representation, especially in action films. Steve, they had their Barbie this summer. Do they need another movie? It's true. I need a movie about white guys doing white guy things. Oh, yeah. Like, the girls in my movies should need the man to help them. <laughs> That's how life works, Steve. That's right. You know, the Marvel should be the most popular movie because it's only 90 minutes. I think that should be the best movie because it's the perfect run yeah, time. I know. <laughs> it's no Flowers of the Killer Moon. You could watch three of these movies at that time. Yeah. And probably have more fun because Marvel movies are cinema, Mr. Scorsese. Oh, odd take. But I agree. Well... The women can have their movie this week, but let's leave it to the boys with the music. Oh, yeah. What was the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100? Is It Over Now by Taylor Swift. No. (laughs) I was hoping for uh, Cruel Summer, but that song no longer is. So, sorry, Taylor Swift. You can't be number one with Cruel Summer, but you can be number one here with Is It Over Now. This is from the uh, 1989 Taylor's version it's from the uh, the vault. These are the new songs that are on the Taylor's versions. She was always like, you know, a couple more songs. So it's like an added bonus, Steve. It's kind of cool, right? Yeah. Well, let's see if this will uh, make Steve happy. Let's fast forward to 300 takeout copies later. I see your profile and your smile on unsuspecting waiters. You dream of my mouth before it called you a lying traitor. You search in every Something greater, baby Was it over When she laid down on your couch Was it over When he unbuttoned my blouse Come here, I whispered in your ear In your dream as you passed out Baby, was it over then and is it over now Hey, I gotta commend her for using the word blouse in a song That is pretty impressive Started <laughs> up blouse songs <laughs> I don't think we've heard the term blouse since uh, 1982. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, it really shows uh, her wealth by saying 300 copy takeouts later. Steve, that's like $14 billion. Yeah. Three Some old boomer told me I could buy a house with that money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with uh, prices these days, you really couldn't, Steve. No one can afford a house. No, housing, housing market's a joke. Economy's stupid and capitalism is dumb. All of those things really apply to our podcast. We're a joke. Mm-hmm. We're stupid. Yeah. What were the other things you said? Um, we don't work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Steve, our work is right now <laughs> to continue this podcast. That's right. You just made me depressed. I'm sorry. See, let's what I do best. Yeah. 
Well, see, let's get on with this week's episode entitled Iron Marge. When Marge's heart is broken by a bad birthday present, Marge and Lisa must dig into their mom's past to show that they really know her. And uh, the B story, Homer becomes a neighborhood fear monger. All right, Steve, I'm very excited about this uh, episode. So, Steve, don't leave town, all right? All right, fine. What a weird thing to say. I wonder why. And you listeners, don't leave town either, because we'll be right back. And we're back. Today we're talking about Iron Marge. It's the sixth episode of the 35th season. Originally aired November 12th, 2023. It's episode 756 in the show's run. Your nerd code is OABF22. Written by Mike Scully. Directed by Matthew Fahan. And the showrunners are Al Jean, Matt Selman, and Caroline Omini. Oh boy, Mike Scully. It's so funny because that's a name that we all know and associate with The Simpsons, especially in the later years. Yeah, we've only reviewed one episode of his. Well, most of his episodes are in the uh, non-reviewable era, That's right? True. Yeah. I know that like a lot of people like to complain about Mike Scully, especially when he took over as showrunner. But like, look at this murderer's row of episodes he wrote. He wrote Lisa's Rival, Lisa on Ice, 2001 Greyhounds, Marge Be Not Proud, Team Homer, Lisa's Date with Density, and Treehouse of Horror 8, Sunday, cruddy Sunday. Like, that's a good run of episodes that we can't review, but there's a lot of classics in there. Yeah, I think your point to, like, the fandom of the uh, the school years is kind of outdated now because that was, like, 25 years ago. Right, right. This, the Simpsons has changed a lot since then. But I think, oh, has it really? Because I think after, like, when Al Jean became the showrunner, he's been the showrunner, what, now for more than 20 years? Since yeah, started. yeah. Because Scully took over, what, season nine? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, because it's after Oakley and Weinstein left, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Look, Lisa on Ice is probably one of the best episodes. Yeah. And, of course, we always say Marge Be Not Proud is probably one of the most sentimental episodes. And knowing that and going into this episode, having Mike Scully... Also, Mike Scully back writing an episode. Right. It's kind of crazy because it's... He hasn't written an episode since season. season 14. Yeah. Episode two, How I Spent My Stormer Vacation. And then he's just always been, you know, being a producer on the show, right? Right. Or, yeah. I mean, did, we're obviously worked on the Simpsons movie. Yeah. So it's uh, crazy. Like, to, it, I didn't think we're kind of like feeling like there's some anticipation for Simpsons fans of being like, oh my God, it's a school. Like, this is like Babe Ruth coming back in, <laughs> in today and <laughs> playing for the Yankees. <laughs> Maybe like 125. And yeah. Morbidly obese. Probably couldn't hit the ball. Or run the bases. <laughs> but what if you took like Babe Ruth in his prime and put him into um, a, a baseball game in today? Do you think he'd actually could hit the ball, run, field? I don't know. Like they were like throwing like falls to like 40 miles an hour back then. And, like <laughs> I don't know if he could stand like I don't know much about modern baseball. I don't think he could do it. He'll be so confused by all the colors because back then there was no oh. color. It was all black and white. Oh, yeah. You know? I thought you meant about integration, but. Uh, no, no, Steve. I'm talking about when you watched TV right, back right. then and movies. It's all black and white. Was, yeah. Like color wasn't invented. In He'd point up to this guy and be like, oh, he's calling a shot. And no, he's just confused by an airplane. There's airplanes then, but you know. They're not as prevalent as they are now, though, flying <laughs> overhead all day and night. 
and all those UFOs now. Uh-huh. Mm. Do you think Babe Ruth was very famous for eating hot dogs? Do you think he'll love eating ass in the in the future? I think so. Yeah, I think that's that's universal. Okay, Steve. Let's now that the SAG and WGA strikes are all over, we can start mm-hmm. writing again. I'm thinking let's do a movie where Babe Ruth is brought to modern times. It just has to do with uh, life in 2020, whatever. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. What's the uh, Mark Twain book, A Kid in King Arthur's Court? Right, right. A babe in King Arthur's Court. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I think this would be great. He he could go on like Dance of the Stars. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, oh. You know, you know, eventually Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift will break up. I think you have now Taylor <laughs> Swift and Babe Ruth. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, I'm sorry, Taylor Swift, Kelsey, Shippers, whatever. Like, look, they're still together. Babe Ruth can now date. Uh, who's who's the next best thing to Taylor Swift? Uh, 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 Ice Spice. Is that? Oh, that's a that thing. Popular? Yeah. yeah. Um, Olivia Rodrigo. Is that a person? Uh, yeah. Doja Cat. Doja Cat. Uh, even if I said Miley Cyrus, it sound dated wouldn't i probably yeah i don't is she relevant i don't think so no i mean you know she still works and does music yeah but uh you know steve we should be getting on with the simpsons and not talking about what everyone really wants to talk about is travis swift and taylor kelsey Uh, Um, i want to take a moment to talk about mike scully uh before he worked on the simpsons he uh was from springfield it's fun because you know simpsons but he cut his career writing jokes for Yakov Smirnoff. And then he was a writer on the sitcom What a Country, which, you know, starred Yakov Smirnoff. And then he started in the show that I swear, like, I tell people about this show, they don't think it exists. It's called Out of This World. It was a uh, syndicated sitcom from, the, from 1987 and 1991. It's about this teenage girl who is half alien, and her dad is out in space, but she talks to him through a this like little thing that looks like a brandy uh, carafe and it would like glow pink and he talked to his dad and it's a weird sitcom that he wrote. He also wrote on uh, Top of the Heap, which is the short-lived Married with Children spinoff starring uh, Matt LeBlanc. So before he worked for The Simpsons, he had a lot of uh, interesting career jobs. I mean, how could you not remember Out of This World? It had uh, Burt Reynolds. Did it? Yeah. He played Troy Garland. Was 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 I never saw the show, Steve. Was Burt Reynolds like the alien dad? <laughs> I don't I didn't remember Burt Reynolds in it at all. I'm on the International Movie Database and it says Burt Reynolds, Troy Garland, ninety five episodes. And there was ninety six episodes. Steve, you remember? Oh yeah, I guess so. I guess he was probably like the voice or something. Ruth Buzzy was in three episodes. That I remember. Uh everyone's favorite liberal actor, Scott Bayo, was in three episodes. <laughs> See how good the show was? <laughs> so this was like a syndicated sitcom. It wasn't yeah, the, like the three networks at the time. No, the only other syndicated sitcoms I can really think of are um Small Wonder, maybe Charles in Charge. No, that was no that was not, that wasn't syndicated. No, that was primetime. So yeah. yeah. What about my secret identity? Was that a that was yeah, that was yeah. yeah. All right. Well bring that that up on a podcast recently. I don't know. I just remember watching My Secret Identity as a kid and didn't he use like aerosol cans to fly? To fly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Mike Scully, it's great to have you back on the show. See, if you want to know something kind of crazy, I don't know if yeah. this has ever happened before, but I'm turning on the old uh, boob tube, mm-hmm. standing up and turning the clickers on my TV because I have a TV from uh, 1964, 
I go to channel uh, KL72. <laughs> uh, channel 13. Channel was Yeah, channel 13 here on a Fox affiliate. When, did, when we were kids, it was channel 12, wasn't it? And then it became 13. Well, I, when I was a kid, it was 49. Uh, well, if you had cable, I think it was 12. Yeah. Sorry. I was a rich kid with cable. Ooh la la. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Fox 49, usually it's, you know, 8 o'clock. I'm like, why am I watching this crap on TV? That being the show Crapopolis. Right. Over the Simpsons 8 o'clock slot. Yeah. What's up with that? What up with that? So yeah, it aired at 8.30. Weird. Yeah, that's like the that's like the cancelization like half hour, you know? Yeah, that's like the, the dead zone. Yeah. Fox, Rupert Murdoch, why would you do this to us? Why, Fox? Why? Ugh. <sighs> That's okay. I got over it because I didn't watch it on TV. I just used Hulu like everyone else. Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Who watches TV in real time anyway? Right. Uh, well, Steve, our episode begins, as it always does, at three in the morning with Barge in the living room, sneakily watching TV. He's got a blanket over the set and a pizza by his side. God, this sounds like uh, my typical 3 a.m. <laughs> and to make it more perfecter, is that is that how you would say that? I do believe, yeah. Yeah. He's watching a violent action flick. It just appears to be Keanu Reeves. Hmm. Yeah. He steps into the Assassin's Only Frozen Treats ice cream parlor, asking <laughs> to sample the mango mayhem. And as the hero brings his tiny spoon to his mouth, a bald assassin, looking much like uh, Steve's avatar. Oh, yeah. From our podcast. Steve, were you? Did you get paid for this uh, This walk-on role? Uh, yeah, they, because there was a strike, they needed some scab. Oh, good. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it. You just took your glasses off and said, no one's going to recognize me. Right. But but I did. Ah, cut. Anyways, uh, Steve there, uh, brandishes some switchblades, comes in warning at him that he's going to scream for ice cream and call him John Wake 4. <laughs> Keanu wanted some mango mayhem, but some other flavors include... Shooty, fruity. Chocolate. Bludgeon, brownie. Bloody Sunday. Garrett cake. And of course, as we all know, Garrett means to kill somebody by strangulation. Absolutely. We learned that in kindergarten. Yep. Uh, we also have Neopolitan, because, you know, Neo. And Bubble Gun. <laughs> uh, so John Wick 4 corrects the would-be assassin, telling him it's actually gelato, not ice cream, before throwing the tiny spoon in the attacker's eye, then covering his face with magic shell. John Wick 4 then impales him with a waffle cone, Blood sputtering out from the point of the cone. Our comments that the violence that his mother won't let him watch is the best. Just then, there's a crash outside. Bart looks out the window to see Raphael has ran his car into an electrical pole. Much like Homer crashing into that chestnut tree. Mm -hmm. Bart is happy to see live violence, but here's Marge stirring. He turns off the TV, kicks the pizza under the sofa, and runs upstairs with his blankie around his shoulders arriving just in time to make it seem as if he was coming out of his bedroom, awoken by the crash. The family goes outside to gawk, and Marge finds the other mothers in the neighborhood to be judgmental about her sleepwear. Marge, are you using a charger cord as a rope belt? <laughs> well, I lost my belt, and Bart lost this phone, so... What's that mark on your sleeve? I used it as an oven mitt. My middle house buys me a new robe every Christmas. Ralphie bought me this chenille beauty with his tooth fairy money. Well, don't you like any of the robes your kids bought you? They never bought me a robe. The quintessential <gasps> mom gift. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. My kids give me homemade gifts, like 
pan turkeys and macaroni-covered stuff. Sounds like they're just giving you their art class crap. Feel this. I like the thoughtful artistic gifts my kids. Oh, my God, that's plush. My robe is fine. It's just a little worn on spots. Uh, one big spot in the back. Nah, the top of my crack! Oh, here, come here! Hey, why is Helen Lovejoy gonna be ragging on Marge's cord? Ragging on your cord, man. Is that a uh, fun, you think it's a fun like, Easter egg for us Simpsons nerd fans? I think so, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Also, like, why does everybody have such a nice robe? Even, like, Nelson's mom is, like, rocking a nice robe. You didn't get your mom a robe? Was your kid? I maybe one time, one time, two times. We weren't really a robe family, I don't think. I feel like that was a gift that, of course, as kids, like you know, we didn't actually buy it. It was you know, right parents' money. You know, I just kind of vaguely remember like getting money and then like, all right, go get presents for your parents. Like, yeah, get you a present, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one year. I've probably said this story before. You know, obviously I'm a kid, but it's. It's, you know, my dad is the one buying the stuff. Mm -hmm. So for Mother's Day, we got her a vacuum. Oh. And I think, you know, she kind of like, you know, a few years later down the road, like, give us shit about, uh, remember that time you got me a vacuum? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, here, do housework. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Yeah. I remember I did get like a new vacuum once for Christmas. And it was great because my vacuum at the time really sucked, so. I mean, I mean, that's what they're supposed to do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's funny, too, because, like, in our household, we all like to cook. But I also feel weird about buying, like, pots or pans because it's also like, hey, cook me dinner. Here's a pot. I think if it's something that people enjoy doing, like, if you give me a really good stainless steel yeah. pan, I'm going to be grateful for that. Or Like, I want a really nice chef's slave for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. So, yeah. Um We'll get to it later, but uh, the thing that I was that we always got my mom is she had a collection of porcelain bears that I don't know how it started, but somehow she had one. And then, like every year for Mother's Day, her birthday, and for Christmas, people would just buy her porcelain bears. And it's like I don't even think she cared about it that much, but it's just like her go-to. I mean, when you know like one thing a person likes, yeah, then. Uh, it's, for instance, to you, like, in high school, or, you know, I, we knew you loved coffee, so it'd be right. like, everyone gives you something coffee-related. Right. I have so many, like, coffee mugs, French presses, or just, like, syrups or flavored coffees. Yeah. And then, like, as soon as you turn 21, people always give you the, oh, let's see, you're like, here's the uh, martini glass set. Here's another martini glass set, but the, the neck of the uh, glass is crooked. Yeah, those stems are the crooked stems, or, oh, they're colored now. Yeah. Uh, then you also get, like, a bartender's book, a uh -huh. hotel recipe book. You get a shaker, too, like, especially the metal ones where the damn metal lid, because of condensation. Right, it gets stuck. 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 Yeah. You, you gotta, like, bash the hell out of it just to get it <laughs> open. That's why when you go to, like, an actual bar, you see bartenders shaking. Like, they're not using those. They're just using glasses to shake. Like, right. oh, because it's easier to do that way. Right. Two pine glasses work just fine. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else? To Oh, yeah. And, and like, you know, mixes. Like, oh, yeah. Three mix. You know, that's that's the thing you get when you're 21. This I think this this scene really is a great scene because I think a lot of us as kids growing up, uh, you know, 
get the mom <laughs> the robe. And I right. even I remember an SNL bit from a few years ago where it was it was a oh a, a parody song where everyone's got all these great Christmas gifts and then uh, Cecily Strong I think is the mom's like and I got a robe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She only got a robe. Right, like. Somebody got like a new car. Somebody got a PS5. <laughs> yeah. I got a robe. Uh, hey, I like a good robe, you know? Yeah. yeah. I have a couple, but every time I wear it, I get too warm, you know? Yeah. And then the question is, do you like, what do you wear underneath it? Do you go commando? Oh, I'm I'm commando, baby. So is Marge, evidently. But you know what's really weird? She isn't because she's right. got like a gown on. You can see the collar. Right, so that means that her gown is also threadbare in the back. Yeah. <laughs> Why is she rubbing the back of her body so much? Yeah, maybe it's Homer. Oh, yeah. We're up and up in there. This dry hum, but it don't. <laughs> yeah. Big contact. Uh, so, flames burst from the back of Raphael's truck, which we learn is an enchanting floating lantern transport. Uh, several lanterns float in the air, and Homer is mesmerized. He says the lanterns are magical but it smells like burning flip-flops. Then he looks down and sees that it's him, and he's standing on a down power line, causing his flip-flops to burn. Kirk Van Houten, looking at his phone, nearly steps on the live wire, but Homer pushes him away, and so Kirk thanks Homer, telling him that he's the man. Yeah, they keep saying, like, always avoid a live wire. Mm-hmm. I say, that's a good idea. Yeah. I was so scared of power lines when I was a kid, because of, like, all the PSAs about down car lines on, like, yeah. PHO or whatever, that, like, the ones that would connect to the street, mm-hmm. that would just, that you could just reach out and touch, like, yeah. I was afraid of those, and just any sort of, any sort of power line, is like, oh, I'm gonna get shocked by it, and it's gonna hurt me. Well, yeah, as a kid, the, the wires holding up the lines. Right, exactly. A kid would tell you, that's electrical, don't touch it, when clearly it's not. Yeah. And I remember even time, like, they had, like, plastic around it and people are like oh that's plastic around it because they don't want you to touch it mm-hmm. <laughs> uh kids can be so cruel we can yeah oh cool uh yeah that's in uh i said kids not uh middle oh. men steve oh yeah that's right i'm old <laughs> i forget sometimes uh that and uh being locked in a refrigerator in a refrigerator <laughs> the two biggest fears of the 80s and the halloween candy with razor blades oh of course yeah yeah the kids have a better these days because they get fentanyl i'm jealous right no or everyone handing out those edible candies <laughs> and i'm gonna spend my paycheck on edibles for trick-or-treaters right i'm gonna spend hundreds of dollars on weed gummies so although and not get high with inflation these days it's not that much more expensive than a bag of reese's True. Edibles, I mean. and the quality is more consistent because reese's aren't as good as they used to be i know so it's, great isn't it funny like the edible peanut butter cups are a lot better than the Reese's <laughs> peanut butter cups. Yeah. A lot of them are like made with dark chocolate or like mm-hmm. no added preservatives or weird ass sugar from a dung beetle or something. I don't know. Yeah. They, they taste like artisanal. Yeah. They are very artisanal peanut butter cups. Well, despite the fact that uh, Kirk sounded really stupid saying calling Homer a demand, Homer was happy to be called demand. And so Carl informs Homer that if he wants to be dumb man for everybody, he should post a warning about the live wire on Alarmist, an app that alerts locals to nearby dangers. Although Alarmist does sound like a different kind of app for <laughs> some people. Um, yeah. So as Homer downloads the app, Lenny tells him that you can film dangerous stuff and post it, such as uh, traffic accidents, 
and nighttime animals being <laughs> out during the day. That's funny. I I saw on the because uh, the Larvis app is kind of like next door, right? Right. Yeah. Next door. And it's funny about nighttime animals be, being out during the day because I saw a post that someone put on next door is like, "There's a cougar out and about. Just you know, be wary." <laughs> I know what's weird is like. It was like about maybe like a nine thirty at night, which of course is pitch dark by nine thirty. Mm-hmm. And I hear like rustling in my backyard and like growling. Oh! And I go out and you remember that scene in Jurassic Park in the beginning, like when you see the bushes like rattle, but you don't see the raptor. Mm-hmm. It's literally just like that. There's there's bushes like they're rattling, and I have my my phone flashlight out trying to see anything, and I hear like raccoons, but then I hear like another animal like growling, like an animal that I've never like heard growling before weird it, in our area we got uh the wildlife is raccoons uh, uh possums probably i haven't seen one in a while um skunks mm-hmm. uh, deer uh you know but i don't think we have like bears but maybe it was a cougar but it didn't sound like a cat and that would be huh. really really big and if it was i'm definitely afraid of cougars just because of red dead redemption oh yeah yeah <laughs> Those fuckers will kill you, like, instantly. Mm-hmm. Can't run from them. No. Even on horseback, they'll get you. Yeah, and they get your horse, too. Uh, yeah, well. Uh, but So I'm, like, trying to look, and then, like, it kind of breaks up, and then I see some eyes of a raccoon. Maybe it was raccoons, and I don't know they're growling and fighting. I, I'm assuming it was probably just raccoons fighting. Yeah. But they, they like, make the- weird noises, like, okay. that you don't expect from to come from a raccoon. So it was just probably raccoons fighting. It's probably a rabbit raccoon. Yeah. And I just hear like dogs barking down the neighborhood because they're hearing us. Ah, it's crazy. Do you think it was Rocky Raccoon? Yeah. It is Rocky Raccoon and then a Rocket Raccoon. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was just Bradley Cooper (laughs) in my backyard. Was the tree saying anything like about being rude? (laughs) No, I was trying to think of a a Shallows. What's that movie? Uh, Oh, Shallows, the song in... uh, the, that movie with Lady Gaga, uh, greatest oh. American hero. No, Star is Born, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I want to be like, tell me something, raccoon. <laughs> uh, uh, I like that you confused <laughs> greatest American hero with Star is Born. They do both have really good theme songs, so. Well, you know, a star, a star is born, greatest American hero. I mean, it's not the same. Now, they're... <laughs> They are both in English. I'll give you that. Yeah, I mean, it's just a star is born, or a great, the greatest American hero: colon a star is born. Like that could be the that title. does sound. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, Homer, uh, alarmist username the simp, That's makes good. a video about the uh, downline and it's a thousand percent risk of electrocution. The way that Homer says electrocution too is funny. He says like electro, electro. He he breaks it up in a weird way. That's fun. Uh, so the local residents see Homer's warning and flee. Brandine is relieved, as her baby could have played with that wire. Sure, he ain't born, but he's about to be. Uh, comic book guy in a shirt uh, featuring a feline version of uh, Gurr from Invader Zim uh, welcomes Homer to the alarmist community. Congratulations, you're now part of the Alarmy Army. Hey, I can barely read my name without my cheaters. How do I get a bigger font like these guys? Um, those are the top alarmers on the app. You want your name in a readable font size? You better learn how to spread fear. I'll do it. I'll get to the top of this leaderboard if it's the most useless thing I ever do. Is that uh, how 
things work on apps like that? I, I assume so, yeah. So it's all a, a rank-based system. Yeah. So if you call in the most crimes or suspicious things, you win. Huh. Steve, um, we paused here to tell the people uh, some of the other alarmy army included uh, names. And uh, let's see if we can figure out who's who, Steve, okay? Yeah. All right, number eight, we got Save Your Skinner. Probably Agnes Skinner. All right. Uh, do we, should we give the points? How many points they got here? We got uh, 1,200 for Agnes. Okay. We got III Peligro with 1,598 points. Well, I know that Peligro is Spanish for danger. And uh, one of the most uh, fluent Spanish speakers in Springfield is... A poo. Senor Ding Dong. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll go with Bumblebee Man. Probably. Uh, next we have, uh, with 1,763 points, Stay Chalm and Carry On. Uh, so that's uh, Chalmers, but which one? Yeah, could be Shauna. Could be Shauna. <laughs> How about All Hans on deck with 7,533 points? That's, of course, Hans Mullman. Solo. Oh, yeah. Hans Solo, yeah. Uh, with 9,661 points, we have Wayland's Warnings. Uh, Smithers. Yeah, or or uh, Marlin. Jennings. Yeah. <laughs> um, disco Sus. I'm going to say that's Disco Stew. I also like the Disco Sus. Yeah. Very much uh, like The Simpsons the Simp. That's funny. Uh, 11,255 points. Nice. Uh, number two is Dr. Pan Nick uh, with <laughs> 11,343 points. And coming in at number one with 12,501 points is... Herman's High Alert. So that's Herman's Hermits. That makes sense because I know a lot of people use like these kind of apps to be uh, racist. <laughs> like, oh, there's a person of color walking around my neighborhood. I'm scared yeah. because... Yeah, but they don't say person of color in the app. They say there's a black kid run- walking around. Right, right, uh, right. Yeah. And I could see Herman being just a little racist. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm thinking like uh, Herman and... Uh, Kirk probably hang out now. Yeah, yes. Uh, well, Steve, in Bart's bedroom, he's finishing up his birthday gift to Marge. When Lisa walks in, so he's formed the word birthday out of some macaroni noodles and glued it all over a card that says Happy Thanksgiving, Mom. <laughs> hey, at least he gave his mom a Thanksgiving card. Yes, yeah, nice. Um, and it features a hand-shaped turkey drawing. Oh, that's classic. Lisa feels that it may be time to retire that pasta art genre, despite the fact that Bart is just in his vital Bucatini phase. Steve, when was your Bucatini phase? Oh, that's probably like 8 to 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think also doing macaroni art at 10, isn't that... Uh, I think we're done with that, aren't we? Maybe you were. <laughs> your cable TV. Did you ever, like, eat the dry pasta when you were in class just for fun? Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Macro- yeah, of course. With the glue on it or without the glue? I mean, you gotta season it. Yeah. Season it with some glue and some glitter, you know? Uh-huh. Or you eat a crayon or two. Is this why we're... Uh, both impotent now? Probably. Oh, that and the low T. Well, so due in large part of what the uh, judgy woman said about Marge's threadbare robe, Lisa thinks it's time they buy Marge a present. So Bart is curious as to where they'll get the money, especially since Otto stopped paying for clean urine. <laughs> Which made me wonder, this is a clue, I think, of where Springfield is in America. And I'm thinking, after uh, we'll date this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, after last week's election, uh, Ohio... Just uh, legalized weed. Oh. So, is it Springfield, Ohio, Mod? Ohio, Mod. All right. Well, maybe Ohio. You could be onto something, yeah. 
And because if auto stopped asking for clean urine, because it's they, legal now. Yeah. Hmm. All right. We'll keep that in the back of your mind, Steve. I think we were yeah. discussed that weed is legal in Springfield. So there's a few states that uh, it could be in. So there you go. Well, Lisa suggests Flanders, who has been generous in the past. Lisa has sold him several magazine subscriptions, including Cat Fancy, despite Mr. Flanders is his cat not being all that fancy. Ooh, that poor cat. So yeah. plain. I didn't know uh, I had a cat. I don't think I've ever seen it. I don't know why, but it doesn't seem like deeply religious people would have a cat. There's too many uh, superstitions around cats, right? Yeah, yeah. They seem yeah. closer aligned with Satan, which is why I have a cat. <laughs> you have many cats, because you want yeah. many Satans. Exactly. Uh, so Bart and Lisa pay a visit to their neighborino, who is uh, laying on his stomach, meticulously cutting his grass with a pair of scissors. Looking to make some scratch, Bart offers to clean up this mess of Ned's neatly trimmed yard, but Ned politely declines, saying that he keeps his grass trimmed neatly, as the lawn is the mustache of the house. <laughs> so after uh, Bart lays a guilt trip on Ned, he offers them $44 to clean two leaves off of the sidewalk. Bart doesn't want to clean both leaves, but Lisa agrees. Is it just me, but does some of the animation look different in some of these scenes? Yeah, I, I don't know where to place it, but it's kind of like more of the uh, like long shots or the wide shots here. Bart and Lisa, like just it look kind of looks like older animation. Like, yeah, I don't know what it is. Like it, it's like more frames. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like yeah, they move differently too. Yeah, like like, like especially like Bart complaining here but he's getting the $44 for two leaves. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like older animation with like the more movement of the facial features and, and yeah, yeah, his whole body. And it's a couple times throughout the episode. I noticed that too. Like there are like more, there's more movement and it does look more hand drawn. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, with the money in the hand, the kids head to the store called Bullseye, whose logo and whole deal look a lot like Target. I'm imagining uh, Simpsons tapped out, probably added Bullseye to the uh, buildings now. I got a Simpson, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think we've seen Bullseye before. I mean, no. Maybe the newer episodes that we haven't seen, but I, I just don't remember a Bullseye. Uh, inside, Bart comments that the store has everything, and he may be right. The Hells offer snow tires, fireworks, rifles, <laughs> and cellos. <laughs> the whole Isle of Cellos. In the uh, luxury sleepwear department, they find a robe that is sure to make Marge feel cozy and loved. Plus, as Bart points out, it'll put a sock in the yaps of those gossipy hens. Though Lisa doesn't appreciate the problematic turn. Hens, she agrees the parts sediment. I was on X or Twitter this weekend kind of looking about this episode. Mike Scully wrote that uh, this kind of whole thing is based on a thoughtless gift his brother Neil and him bother um mother at Bradley's department store in West Springfield, Massachusetts. And that's the same store where he got caught shoplifting, which was the basis for uh, Marge Be Not Proud. And then he says that he was a shitty kid. As they head to the register, Lisa bumps into an end cap display, knocking over a junior operative spy kit. Uh, Bart and Lisa are entranced. It's a toy and it's gear. It's got a pen that's actually a tape recorder, an eavesdropping device that lets you hear conversations from miles away, and it even includes sour gummy cyanide capsules. <laughs> um, aside from the pen quarter uh, eavesdropper and cyanide, it also features walkie-talkie watches, a fingerprint kit, lock picking kit, an interrogation pad, and a distraction generator. <laughs> Did you ever have like a spy kit when you were a kid? 
No, I always wanted one though. Yeah. The uh, idea of cyanide gummies <laughs> is really funny. So, Steve, I thought, here you go, plus oh. 10. Yeah. All right. Oh, very nice. Ooh, blue raspberry. <laughs> I'm thinking more like the candy would be like sour. Uh, we'll see, just turn into Frankenstein's monster. Or is he dead? Who cares? <laughs> well, I find a, uh, another co host. Um, Bart and Lisa both imagine the possibilities of having that jerk off kid of their own. <laughs> oh, Steve's alive. Okay, good. Junior operative. Oh, Steve wrote the notes. This is J.O. kit, so I'm assuming <laughs> I jerk off kit. Just some lotion, box that, Kleenex. Yeah, that I did have as a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a very elaborate J.O. kit. Uh-huh. Well, I was trying to say about the cyanide capsules. I imagine they're like a sour candy, right? Yeah. It says gummy, but I'm I'm assuming it's like sour warhead or... Right, right. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Bart and Lisa both imagine the possibilities of having a jerk-off kid of their own. I'm sorry, junior <laughs> operator of their own. But Bart envisions seeking in on the uh, therapy sessions of his bully friends, while Lisa wants to be up to date on the latest trends. Deep down, I know I'm the dingus. <laughs> Give me your lunch money or the whole playground hears you blubber. You too, Bowtie. The eavesdropper could be so useful. Okay, the meeting of the cool girls has been called to order. It's been decided that the new cool thing is to wear earmuffs in warm weather. So don't tell any randos Hey, guys. <laughs> now Lisa's cool, too, and there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> yes. Cry, Sherry. Cry. Is that why you were wearing earmuffs during this uh, summer um, weather? Yeah, I, I want to be one of the cool girls. <laughs> I like that the idea of Lisa being cool makes them cry. And in her mind, like, what would be cool? I don't know, earmuffs in the summer. Yeah. Hey, I got to hand it to Bart's imagination. He knows what Sigmund Freud looks like. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I like that he, rub, he ran, ran him down for money, too. Yeah, that was great. Uh, so Bart thinks out loud, saying that the spy kit is the same price as the robe. Lisa's taken aback, but before she can say what Bart is thinking, he stops her, saying that he needs two keys to launch this missile. He adds that Marge hasn't ever been much of a, uh, you know, prison person, and uh, Lisa agrees, saying that she's more into hugs and seeing them happy. <laughs> so Lisa comes to her senses, saying that they can't buy the spy kit for themselves and nothing for Mom, but as she says this, she realizes that Bart is already at the register. So as Lisa runs up to Bart, Bullseye Checker, Shauna asks Lisa if she'd like to apply for Bullseye Credit Card. Lisa <laughs> tells Shauna that she's eight. And Shauna just says, like, yeah, you won't get the card. I just like the line reading of Shauna there. Yeah. Uh, but if she does apply, she'll still get a free uh, Bullseye Ironing Board cover. Ooh. Bart suggests getting the spy kit and then giving Marge the Ironing Board cover. And Lisa agrees, saying that it's like giving Marge a whole new ironing board. <laughs> and another fun, like, personal story is... I have like an old ironing board and the cover is kind of like crappy and like washed it. It's like, it's not the same. So we just bought a new ironing board cover and it's like, wow, mm-hmm. it's like a whole new ironing board. <laughs> so I know what that's like. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So as uh, Lisa stuffs the robe into like a buzz cola fridge, <laughs> uh, Bart asks for an application as well so they can give March two ironing board covers. Uh. I, I know this might go like uh, make Simpsons or Lisa 
Lisa fans upset that Lisa's like going along with this and like being like out of character of like not understanding Marge's feelings. But it's still such kid thought. Like when she's saying like only her mom likes hugs and, and seeing them happy. It just proves how like much Marge is so like positive towards the kids. Like, yeah. But it is such a thing. Like kids don't see parents as people. People. <laughs> it's true. And like it's funny how like Sometimes you like when it's holiday season, then you like have to buy gifts to people when you're a kid. You're just like, yeah, that'll work. That whatever. <laughs> Mom likes light bulbs, but like department stores now, like do it so. Oh yeah. Like when you go to like a bullseye or like a Target, there's always like during the holiday season, there's always that little island of like gifts for dad, and it's always like right. like a cornhole like tabletop right and top game right uh, weird like physical puzzle things. <laughs> Socks that say beer on them. Right. Anything that says beer on it. <laughs> yeah. Grillin' dad, you know? Like, yeah. Says grillin' dad. Grillin' dad and wine, mom. <laughs> uh, so at Marge's birthday party, the family and Ned are all there gathered around. Uh, Homer's eager to give uh, his gift to Marge first as he has citizens to alarm. He got her another charm for her charm bracelet, this one in the shape of a tiny frying pan. When I was mentioning the uh, little porcelain bears that we'd get my mom, that's kind of what it reminded me of is the charm bracelet where you just buy somebody something. And then, as Homer states, buying the charm bracelet was the best investment ever because no matter what the occasion, he always knows what Marge needs. Another charm. So it's just such a lazy gift. Marge says that Homer knows her so well, and he should after however many years. Marge opens Lisa's gift next, and Marge politely acknowledges that it is an ironing board cover. Aww. Lisa says that he got it for her because, you know, she irons. Bart asks to open his gift next, pointing out that it's uh, in the bullseye bag. Um, so after Marge compliments his creative wrapping job, uh, she finds that it's another ironing board cover. Because after all, what do you get the woman who only has one ironing board cover? Another ironing board cover. I also gotta say the, uh, I know some, just a podcast, but like visually the haphazardly decorations in the... yeah. It's so, like, not thoughtful and, like, not thought out. Yeah, the cake is a little crappy. It's just, like, a piece of lined paper says, Happy Birthday, Mom, and Marge. Right. And then, like, just Marge, like, just for, you know, she's sad about the kids, but she just doesn't care about Homer because, like, she knows Homer will always let her down with presents. Yeah. Even the way that the uh, balloons are kind of taped to the wall is kind of crappy. Yeah. Uh, Very funny uh, visually. Uh, Marge tells the kids that she loves both of her gifts, and they high-five. And Homer heads out because if he finds just three more things to warn people about, he'll move ahead of the cautionary gale and the cry wolf castle on the leaderboard. So Bart offers to help clean, but when he goes to remove a balloon taped to the wall, he starts peeling off the paint. So Marge just urges him to stop. So everyone leaves Marge alone to clean up, and she puts her two new iron board covers in the closet next to her iron board cover, which already has a bullseye cover on it. So that means Marge probably got the credit card offer to a bullseye. Probably, yeah. Well, Marge, let's uh, depressed sigh. Yeah. Nowadays, if you work in retail, especially like department store, you have to like push those credit cards. Yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons why my wife stopped working for Macy's because she got so sick of it. So the next day, Marge is ironing in the kitchen when she uh, notices that the Pulsai logo is transferring from the cover onto Homer's shirt. Uh, Bart tells Marge not to play with her present all day. <laughs> Just so shitty. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Lisa is playing with her new present using her J.O. fingerprint kit. <laughs> Again, off fingerprint. Who's been jerking off in here? 
her junior operative fingerprint kit to figure out which pet broke the vase. Uh, but before she reveals the culprit, she gets a message on her walkie-talkie watch. It's Slingshot, aka Bart, calling for Yellow Sparrow. Great codenames, by the way, kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, to prepare for face-to-face discussion. She confirms that her face is prepared, and Bart walks in. Uh, Lisa loves the spy kid, and all the secrets of the house are being laid bare. And Marge can't stop muttering about her new present. The kids use their walkie-talkie watches to say how much they rule. Homer continues his alarmist duties, reporting an inappropriate billboard near Noiseland Arcade, which, according to Homer, is guaranteed danger of corruption. The billboard in question features a woman in a towel covered in calming calamine lotion with a text itch please <laughs> homer uses the neighborhood app to urge parents to keep their kids away kirk receives this message and covers millhouse's eyes as he thanks homer for the warning about the vulgar wordplay millhouse still catches sight of the offending advertisement but that's no matter to homer as alarmist rank grows and grows itch please wait i get it Itch rhymes with big! No, Mom hates that word. Trust me. One more post and I'll be top five. Homer? Religious fanatic running through town, possibly for murder scene. Avoid outdoors. I did it! I'm number five! I'm better than everyone! I really like Kirk saying that your mom hates that word. Believe me. Meaning that he's called her a bitch several times. Well, we have discussed many times in the podcast now that Kirk is a vile, evil character that we don't want to associate with anymore. It's true. Poor Luann. It's funny, he was like a lovable loser <laughs> before they got divorced for the first time. Yeah. And then now that they're back together, he's just kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, she shouldn't you know, leave him and... <laughs> I kind of want them to break up again. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, Simpsons writers, we know you're listening. Mm-hmm. Break up Kirk and Luann. Yeah, have her date, like, uh, I was going to say, the modern equivalent to an American gladiator is going to be, what, an American ninja warrior, but even that's kind of outdated at this point. No, you know who she should date? Who? Travis Kelsey. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so just, like, they could make a parody of Travis Kelsey on the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Mavis, Pelsey. First thought, best thought. I like it. Yeah. Is Mavis a name? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mavis. <laughs> and like, but just make him like super fucking cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Kirk will never have a chance. I like it. Yeah. And even like Mavis like ends up like adopting Melhouse. <laughs> and then Melhouse gets cool. Yeah. yeah. And then it's Bart doesn't fun. know how to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is a good episode. I like this. And then Melhouse starts dating uh, uh, Steve, name a famous 10 year old girl. Well, let me <laughs> see. Let me take out my J.O. kit. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Uh, never mind. <laughs> My junior operative kid, so I can look at all the young spies that I spy on. I don't know. The, the uh, Is it Mary Kay and Ashley Olsen? Are they still 10? I assume so, yeah. <laughs> Aren't like we like only like a couple years older than the Olsen twins? Yeah, I think so. Um, I felt like, okay, so we were babies when Full House was on too, so. I mean, we were, we're, we're, we're Stephanie's age. Right. Right. Is that why like we think... Jody Sweeten's the cool one because she's like our age. I think so. And I think time has shown that she is the cool one because Candace Cameron Bure is a little Christian cuckoo. Yeah. And then the the Olsen twins are, you know, fine. They got their own thing. They don't need Yeah. Yeah. They're, us. they're, they're moguls and yeah. cigarette holders. 
<laughs> I think Jody Sweden should be president of the millennials. That's good because she's been through some stuff. Yeah, like she went through hellish like teens and like twenties. Yeah, now she's like on the other side of it and just is healthy and a mom and does yeah. stuff and she's doing good. Protests, you know, she's you know very active. Yeah, yeah. All right, I nominate Jody Sweden as president of the millennials. I second that. All right, um, let's find a candidate to uh, run against her. <laughs> Seth Rogen, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say Jalil White. <laughs> I think he's like a Gen Xer, though. Oh yeah, I could see that. I'm just trying to think of like their ages. Yeah. Yes. Anyone born after uh, 80, 81 and up is Gen Millennial. Is yeah, yeah. Well, Steve, Lisa and Bart continue their spy duties using their eavesdropper to listen on local conversations. They hear Professor Frink talking to his creation. Clarifying that his name is Frink's monster rather than Frink. <laughs> the monster states that it's sad. And once again, the professor corrects his beast saying, Frink's monster is sad. <laughs> so next they listen to Mo, who complains that one of his bar rats has been eating pool chalk and leaving chalky pellets all over the place. <laughs> he tells the rats to look at him rather than at each other. And then he demands that Steve, the yeah. rat, not you, Steve, oh. look at him. So I can continue to eat chalk. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Bart and Lisa then turn their eavesdropper to Ned and Marge, who are chatting in the backyard. What a party yesterday. I don't usually take my water on the rocks. I was buzzing all night. Yeah, it was fun. Oh. <laughs> Whoa, I didn't mean to bring on a peeper puddle. What's wrong? It's silly. I, I'm embarrassed that my feelings were hurt by a stupid birthday gift. Oh, now, feelings aren't stupid. Some of them are evil, but they're not stupid. It's just on my one day. I'm barely an afterthought. It's like they don't think of me as a person. <sighs> I don't get it. Why is she so sad? Bart, she's feeling unseen. What? I always see her. She's in my phone contacts three times under Mom, Mommy, and Sandwich. She does so many things that we take for granted. Imagine how we would feel if she half-tushied our birthdays. What? I'd be fine if she only... Oh. Oh. We suck. Over. Roger that. Over. Ah, uh, the guilt. So mm. finally got to the Simpsons kids. The mom, the mommy, the sandwich. So what I have you <laughs> under is my contact too. The sandwich. The sandwich, yeah. I really enjoy uh, Ned and Marge's relationship. I think they're yeah. friends. They're buddies. And I like the, because there's been a couple times in recent seasons where like, they'll be in the backyard just chatting it up. I, I like it. It's cute. I think, um, I think they should just kill off Homer and make Ned marry Marge. Yeah, I like well, that. A whole new sitcom. Now there was like a, a level-headed dad. Yes, he's a little religious, but maybe the kids and and uh, Ned can uh, learn from each other, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe like be less Jesusy, you know. Maybe more opening to like Lisa's philosophies and uh, Bart's. Well, you know, Bart's. It's like Dharma and Greg for a whole new generation. <laughs> uh, uh, no one knows what that is, Steve. <laughs> so you got an ABC. <laughs> All right. Um, so meanwhile, Homer and Barney are walking through the park. Homer brags that he's number one on the alarmist app. Just then, uh, he stops as he sees a broken sprinkler. Barney doesn't get what the big deal is, but Homer worries that it could cause a sinkhole or activate a gremlin. <laughs> Technically, it'd be activating a mogwai, which would turn into a gremlin, but right. that's fine, Homer. 
Homer's uh, so it's fine. Yeah. He begins to warn his alarmy about the sprinkler, but someone named Silver Bullet has already reported a vertical tsunami at the park. Barney's impressed by the scoop, pointing out that Silver Bullet has taken Homer's top spot. Homer wonders who this guy is, but standing right behind him is the old Lamb of God herself, Agnes Skinner, saying that Homer's fingers are too fat to stop her, the Silver Bullet. Wait a second. I thought we discussed that Agnes was Savior Skinner. Was maybe Savior Skinner actually oh, Savior yeah. Skinner? Maybe, yeah. Since this is a Silver Bullet? That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Unless she uh, forgot her password and was trying to log in. It was like, verified. Like, are you a robot? And she was, no. And they just, you know, sometimes trying to log on apps is most annoying. She's like, screw this. I'm going to start a new screen. Yeah. I don't know. They're like, enter your new password. And they're like, I, 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 okay. And they're like, oh, you can't use your old password. And like, but I forgot my password. And it's like, so annoying. Uh, so Homer and the silver bullet face off. Silver bullet, your days are numbered. Tell me something my doctor hasn't. You smell like old lady. So do you. I smell like a lot of things. <laughs> smell like old lady. <laughs> uh, well, back at home, Bart and Lisa are determined to get Marge a new meaningful gift. Lisa decides to make a list of everything they know about their mother. So after a few moments of thinking, Lisa offers that, well, Marge's real name, of course, is Margaret. <laughs> and did you pause yourself for a moment? You're like, wait, it is? I know, I did. I was like, what? Oh, it's not? <laughs> they think of some more... And then Lisa suggests that Marge loves uh, coming to her jazz recitals. <laughs> but Barr says she actually doesn't, informing Lisa that Marge hides an issue of People magazine in the program. And Lisa wonders why it is so hard saying that they should know the woman that gave birth to them. Bart uh, wonders if Marge is just unknowable and thinks that maybe they should just give Marge the spike along with <laughs> breakfast in bed for life. Again, great kid logic. Like. Yeah. Like Lisa thinking that, oh, one thing that Marge loves is my jazz recitals. And then Bart just being like, well, if the it was wrong that we got the toy for ourselves, we'll just give her the toy. Uh, but Lisa has another idea. What if they use a spy kit to break into the trunk where their mother keeps all of her memories? Bart welcomes Lisa to the dark side and they get to work. They sneak into Marge and Homer's room uh, into the closet and find a truck labeled Marge's Memories. Uh, Lisa is unsure if the lockpicking kit will actually work, since it is just a toy, but sure enough, she pops the lock with ease, which causes her concern regarding those uh, gummy cyanide caffles. Or maybe just the lock on Marge's box isn't that great. Yeah. Also, be careful going through your parents' uh, <laughs> stuff, because you yeah. never know what you'll find. <laughs> Trust us, you'll never know. Yeah. And when you do, you have to go to therapy. Exactly. Right. Well, they look through the trunk and Lisa finds Marge's birth announcement in which they learn that her full name is actually Marjorie and not Margaret. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> As they uh, know nothing about their mother, Lisa comes up with a bunch of photos of Marge with a great parrot. Hmm. On the back of one of those pictures is written Marge with Petey. We then see several pictures of Marge as a young girl with Petey on roller skates with the bird, riding her bike with the bird, and attending church with the bird on her shoulders. Bart comments that they were best friends, just like him and Santa's little helper. <laughs> Santa's little helper then is, appears behind the door with a bowl in his mouth begging for food, but then Bart kicks the door onto his face, saying that he's busy. <laughs> I really love the sound effect, too, of the, the door shutting, which is, like, yeah. loud. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Santa's little helper. Poor Bart. 
Uh, so Lisa then finds another photo, one of Marge crying at, as Petey is loaded into a truck named Art's Auto Service from North Townsburg. Bart surmises that uh, Marge's parents must have made her give up the bird. Uh, Bart is happy to learn a fact about Marge. Grandma was a jerkass. <laughs> um, after thinking for a moment, Lisa has an idea. Since parrots live for roughly 80 years, maybe they could track down Petey and reuni reunite Marge with her long-lost bird friend. Bart agrees, saying that would be like getting a mother a robe who wants crackers. So they need to go to North Townsburg, but Bart's worried that the area is a little uh, sketchy. Uh, Milhouse's dad was a, sp a sign spinner for a meth clinic there. Uh, but that's no matter. He wants to do it uh, for Margety or Marjorie or whatever. <laughs> Margety. <laughs> I love, <laughs> I love the, the town North Townsburg. <laughs> North Townsburg. <laughs> well, the kids hop on the bus heading for a three-hour trip to Townsburg. To pass the time, Bart will kick a seat in front of him until the tiny loose screw comes out. And Lisa <laughs> first thinks that Bart is being rude. But then joins him, directing him to kick closer to the screw. To hit, kick the seat, and Super Nintendo Chalmers, who's sitting in the front of them, spills his hot coffee all over. <laughs> Another fun kid logic, except that's not fun. Kids, don't do that. Yeah, don't kick the back of the seat. Uh, so Carolyn Omini live tweeted, or live X'd, or whatever you call it, uh, this episode. And uh, because of the strike, they had to cut a scene in which they were riding the bus, and there was a joke about... A musical group on the tr on the bus with them called Sha Na Naba, a doo-wop ABBA cover band, uh, rehearsing and tormenting the kids on the bus. But it was too complicated to fix, so they had to pull it. So it was a bummer. That's fine. It's fine to pull it, Steve. Yeah, that's what you got the jail kit for. Yeah. So uh, Bart and Lisa arrive at North Townsburg, which they find to be uh, depressing. It's full of liquor stores, liquor and weed stores, and liquor, weed, and tax preparation stores. Bart points out a corner where Nick Cage went crazy, and Lisa notes the statue of the National Treasure star, Naked, holding a postal worker hostage with a banana. They then find Art's Auto Service Mechanic Shop, the last known locale of Petey. And we also have another tweet from Caroline about before her dad retired, that he had a shop called Art Omini's Auto Service, and they modeled the Art's Auto Service after that. And she got to show it to him before he passed, but unfortunately he died in August, so he didn't get to do the whole episode, but he did get to be honored through Art's Auto Service. Did uh, your wife ever take her car to Art's uh, Omidi Auto Service? Because she's from Hawaii, right? Right, yeah. I'm oh, yeah, all the time. Been in Hawaii? Okay. Yeah, that's the one mechanic in Hawaii. I mean, I had assumed. Everyone yeah. knows each other. Right. <laughs> At the mechanic shop, Bart and Lisa interview a mechanic to get one step closer to their lost parrot. Hey, Grease Stains, seen this bird? Yeah, I remember him. That's Krista's bird. Is he in some kind of trouble? We'll ask the questions. What's the skinny on this Krista character? Well, she owns the craft store down the block. She also sells liquor and weed. Let's go. Don't leave town. But my niece's wedding is tomorrow. I said don't leave town. Fine. Hey, Charlotte's Vince. I can't make it. I don't know. Some kid told me I can't leave town. Uh, this is a very funny joke, and later we get uh, a nice callback to the joke. Yeah. Simpsons like to do the joke twice, you know, just be comment. Uh, <laughs> just don't leave town, all right? <laughs> Fine. So funny. Um, so at the park, Homer is eager to get back to being alarming number one. So he searches high-low to warn people about something. When he spots a branch on the ground, he posts a video reporting death from above. He <laughs> said that there are falling branches at Springfield Park. The Prince family, who are in the background, are picnicking 
and uh, they receive the alert and evacuate to safety, but just like grabbing Martin and he's falling. It's apparently hilarious. <laughs> now, Homer is back at the number one spot, but Silver Bowl Agnes Skinner warns that his tenure on top will be short-lived. Calling him a toad-faced beatbag. She then threatened to cut Homer into tiny pieces like her son's pancakes. Homer counters that he's going to eat Agnes's pancakes and crap her out like his son's pancake. It's funny. Uh, uh, so Agnes waves off Homer and then finds a little girl blowing a dandelion and makes an alarmist alert saying that the air at Springfield Park is full of pollen and that those with lungs should avoid the area. Uh, so then Homer sees sunbathers sitting on towels and uh, warns of lifeless bodies due to a possible gas leak. And then Agnes sends a warning of a demented man throwing objects at the duck pond, which is just uh, Jasper Beardsley feeding the ducks. So Rod and Todd blow bubbles, which uh, Homer reports as a chemical air attack at the play yard. A uh, comic book guy and Kamiku fly uh, kites overhead, which both Homer and Agnes report, calling the UFOs and string-guided uh, dragons most likely time-traveling attackers. Uh, that could be a reference to uh, the last Indiana Jones movie, Dial of Destiny. But I oh, yeah. Doubt it. It's, it's a pretty big turnaround time. Um, <laughs> Homer and Agnes fight over who saw the kites first and a scuffle, and it causes them to fall into a hole in the ground. Isn't that how the Hobbit starts in a hole in the ground? Are they in I think so. the Shire? Maybe they are. They, I mean, they did mention double breakfast, this is. Yeah. Well, they both wonder what happened, and Agnes says that the uh, Earth couldn't support Homer's giant ass. Well, Homer says that perhaps Satan heard Agnes's voice and wanted to fast-track her to hell. Recognizing they both got a J-pen, the two need to find a way out of the sinkhole. They both lost their phone, so they both start shouting for help, unfortunately for them. Their alarmist alerts were a bit too effective, and everyone is exiting the park. So their cries go unheard. Meanwhile, over at Krista's crafts and liquor and weed, Bart and Lisa continue their detective work to find P.D. Oh, yeah, P.D. He was smart as a whip. Could imitate anything. Political figures of the day. The you lose horn from Price is Right. So many times I thought contestants lost when they hadn't. Why are you talking about him in the past tense? Oh, I left his cage open by mistake and he flew away. Last I heard, he joined a flock of wild parrots. Oh, I guess we came all this way for nothing. Stay in town. But my daughter's wedding is... Ugh. Cheryl, bad news. We failed Mom again. We are losers. <laughs> it's Petey! How can we lure him down here? I've got it! Are you secretly recording me? Hold to talk about our water bill. No, I'm not talking to you. Talking to my annoying son. Yes, got him. Annoying son. Sean, I can't make it to Cheryl. My daughter's wedding. That, that line is so good. The yeah, yeah. Town. <laughs> just the adults listening to kids. Yeah. Uh, also, just Cheryl. Bad news. <laughs> the last I heard, he joined <laughs> a gang of wild parrots. Wild parrots. <laughs> like, wh who told you that? Uh, good stuff. Also. I like Petey. Petey's fun. Good old Petey. Good old Petey. Uh, although, speaking of uh, The Simpsons, uh, still stuck in a hole, Agnes cries for help, asking if any idiots can hear her, but as Homer points out, they scared everyone away and there's no one to save them. Homer says, isn't that ironic? And Agnes guesses so, but Homer wants, to, wants clarity because he doesn't actually know the meaning of ironic. 
So Agnes wonders when they both went so crazy. Homer says that he was doing a public service, but they both admit that they're just trying to climb that leaderboard. And now they're stuck down in the hole. Is the, uh, I feel like the joke of ironic, which I laughed at the scene, I thought it was funny, but mm-hmm. I feel like I see, like, not understanding the term ironic is kind of overplayed. Yeah, I think ever since Alanis Morissette, um, it's become a little bit too much of the joke of not knowing what irony means. Yeah. I mean, would it be that she doesn't know irony because she doesn't have a bullseye irony cover board? Oh, you Yeah. Mean- <laughs> uh, well, so Homer laments that he misses the surface world as Agnes pops a candy in her mouth. Homer demands that she share, stating they both need the strength to fight off chuds. Another fun <laughs> reference. You referenced gremlins and now chuds, mm-hmm. of course, as cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. Miss mm-hmm. uh, Skinner refuses to share, saying that it's her where there's her choice. <laughs> she then chokes on the hard candy and slaps Homer to get his attention. At first, he thinks he's just showing off. But as she begins to turn purple, he gives her the Heimlich maneuver, wondering if this is irony. She spits out the piece of candy, and the two competing foes have a moment of clarity. I can breathe! <sighs> Simpson, instead of mongering fear, you mongered... Life itself. Thank you. <gasps> this is the feeling I was after. Not some stupid leaderboard. I'm going to help you get out of here. Step in my hands. I'll boost you up. Yeah. Oh, there's so much to grab onto. I'll tell everyone you're down there, which will make me alarmy number one. Suck it! Hairless ground hippo stuck in sinkhole. And while She's horrible. I was kind of hoping, like, when she spit out the candy after Homer gave the Heimlich, that there would be a scene where he's walking towards it and picks it up and puts it in his mouth. And then he starts choking. No, no, he just eats it. Okay, yeah, I like that. Uh, so uh, Bart and Lisa visit Marge in her bedroom to give her one last birthday surprise. Marge is intrigued, and when they tell her that they tracked down her best friend, she's confused. And then when Bart and Lisa reveal Petey, Marge wonders how all of this is happening. Her mood changes from confusion to terror as Petey vomits on Marge's shoulder and then begins to rip out her hair. Bart throws a pillow at the wild bird, but ends up hitting Marge in the face. As Peeny creates chaos in the bedroom, Lisa tries to figure out what's going on. I thought he loved you. This is how he shows love, by grooming me and regurgitating on me. I can have our friends over. He was so possessive. So why did you even get him? I didn't. I wanted a kitten. Our neighbor was giving away their parrot. Since Petey can meow, my dad decided he was close enough. Meow. You're nothing like a kitten. Don't worry, we'll take him back to Townsburg. He's part of Wild Flock there. You went all the way to Townsburg? We wanted to get you something, you know, personal for your birthday. Yeah, we did not make friends on the bus ride home. Petey is kind of racist. Well, that's just... (laughs) We're sorry. We didn't mean to re-traumatize you with your childhood nightmare bird. My wonderful babies. You went to all that trouble for me. I wasn't an afterthought. I was a thought. I mean, I kind of figured it out, Steve, being really smart that, uh... The parrot was taken away because it was a menace. Yeah. <laughs> but also being really racist, isn't that the fault of the uh, owners? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, 
Cheryl, is that her name? No, not Cheryl, the mother of Cheryl. Yeah. She's probably pretty racist then. I mean, it seems like people in Townsburg might be a little racist themselves because, yeah. you know, it's a little sketchy town. Yeah. North Townsburg is like, uh, what's that one city that's supposed to be like the most racist city in America that's, I don't know, I want to say it's in Georgia or Louisiana. I don't know. There's this town that's like supposed to be like, if you're a person, oh, like, right. do not go there. I've heard of this, yeah. Like, especially don't be up after, like, dark and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, they're, like, blatantly racist. I think segregation is still, like, a thing. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Bart and Lisa tell their mom that uh, they see her as a real person, their favorite person. And Marge is touched, but then feels pain when Petey bites her finger. <laughs> so Marge stuffs the bird into a pillowcase, and the three of them go, as a family, to abandon Petey in North Townsburg. <laughs> Uh, so the credits begin to roll, but we do get a bonus scene of a crash in the neighborhood. Everyone runs out to see what's happening, but all the wives are distracted by Marge's beautiful robe. Helen is impressed by the Terry, which Mark informs her is from the Terry province of France. And Marge nonchalantly brags that her kids got her the uh, robe, saying that she just threw it on to see what the noise was. She then uh, says that she thinks that the noise was coming from over there, pointing in a fashion to show off her robe's luxurious. Sleeve fullness, which amazes Bernice Hibbert. Helen wonders uh, what the sound was, and Marge says it was a mystery that we may never know. I thought, like, the Nelsons lived in, like, a different part of town. Uh, they, they're they on 742 Evergreen Terrace. I just now was thinking, like, why is yeah. on there? <laughs> Everybody's. Yeah. Everybody lives on Evergreen Terrace. <laughs> um, well, Marge stressed back into the house where Bart and Lisa are busting their spike kit distraction generator to make a car crash sound. <laughs> Other options include a firework mishaps, Black Hawk Down, and Cattle Stampede. <laughs> Marge uses her own walkie-talkie to watch the telekids that the mission was accomplished. And that's how it ends, Steve. <laughs> I love the uh, the animation of the flowing of the, the rub. is really well done. Yeah, yeah. Steve, that mm. means we should take a break, ponder our thoughts, and come back and uh, let our thoughts be unpondered. I like it. All right, we'll be right back. And we're back. All right, Steve, let's wrap up this week's episode, Iron Marge. We'll talk about some of our favorite scenes, maybe a favorite uh, jokester MBJ, and we'll give it a nice little review, and then find out what we're watching next week. But before we do all of that, we like to find something from this episode to give as a gift. Now, Steve, it happened to have just been your birthday a few days ago, mm -hmm. and Marge is celebrating her birthday. Do you, Marge, share the same birthday? I wonder that, too. I think we might. I think they, we know when her birthday is. I think they've said what day it is. It's uh, March 19th, 1958. <laughs> well, maybe not 1958 anymore, but uh, we'll still go with March 19th. So you guys, I mean, this episode was produced, you know, around uh, last year, you know. Yeah. The 22nd production number of the OABF season. So It was made for season 34, sure. Yeah, so, yeah, it could be around March. Uh, oh, March, Marge. You know, but, uh, you know, she got some crappy gifts, of course. You know, you think I would give you an ironing board cover, but I know you, Steve, you don't iron. Oh, no. So I got the ironing board cover for your wife. Nice. Yeah. And I got two, actually. She, she probably using both, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I thought, well, of course, Steve's going to want the coolest gift in this uh, episode. And sure enough, I got it for you, Steve. I got you a racist parrot. Oh, you shouldn't have. Yeah. 
it's uh, only a year old, so you got at least another 79 years with it. Oh, nice. Hey, that's great. I gave uh, the racist parrot, which um, I love to be called uh, DT or maybe Donnie. Donnie's a good word. <laughs> and uh, I showed him a picture of you, so this is your new best friend, and you'll love him. So there you go, Steve. <laughs> Enjoy your parrot, Donnie. Wow, that's uh, very sweet of you, Craig. Uh, and all I got you was this uh, J.O. kit. Why does it have a uh, lube and a porto mag from 1973 had a writing pin that has a lady in a, a bikini but then wait what steve i just turned the pin upside down and she's naked oh yeah it's a senior operative spike <laughs> and i got a, ooh, a deck of cards and oh wow steve these ladies are wearing bikinis uh-huh it also comes with a side eye phil well thank you steve uh <laughs> what were some of the uh jokes in this episode uh made you laugh in particular scenes, or uh, how about a most valuable jokester, MBJ? Ooh, um, well, I love the, the residents of North Townsburg, um, especially them acquiescing to uh, Bart and Lisa's demands that they stay in town. That's really funny to me. I really like the Bart and Lisa dynamic, uh, just their kid logic. Um, it really made me laugh. I really like Homer paired with Agnes. I think that's really fun, too. Mm-hmm. Homer's line about eating his kids' uh, pancakes and crapping them out. It's really funny. But I think if I had to give an MVJ, do I give it to Cheryl? I think I do. I think I give it to Cheryl. Cheryl. And just Cheryl. Cheryl. Who's Cheryl? The the Cheryl, the woman in the store. No, that's her daughter. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Uh, so just... What do you think? Tress McNeil is what you're giving Yeah, to. that's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, of course, the North Townsbury... Uh, people with Bart saying, don't leave town, I think it was my favorite running joke. And I really liked the, uh, I think Marge was great again. Here I am, yeah. Marge, MBJ, but like, the voice acting Julie does with Marge and just sadness in the beginning of the episode and the joy. Moving. Really well done. Brought a tear to my eyes. So uh, Marge, well, it's not a jokester. She gets uh, most valuable uh, uh, performer, MVP mm-hmm. of the week. And I guess jokester would be, uh, sure, we'll give it to, I mean, <laughs> Homer is making a lot of jokes with Agnes, so do we give it to Homer? Maybe let's give it to Homer. Yeah, or okay. Agnes. Agnes and her hard candy. <laughs> and Petey for being a piece of shit. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Steve, all in all, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was really fun. From the beginning with uh, Bart sneaking down to uh, watch a, a violent movie. Also, I like the uh, John Wick 4 thing. That was fun, yeah. too. But the way that uh, Bart and Lisa kind of use their kid logic to find a gift, uh, the sadness of Marge, I-, I think this is a really fun episode. I like that it's a small world episode. Like, nothing huge happened, but um, just people living their lives, I think, is great. I think that it's so relatable, so human, and it doesn't feel too much of like trying to be trendy or hip. Because this is such a universal experience. I don't know. I think it was a really fun episode. I like that it is not an outstanding, like, huge episode. It's just kind of like one of the smaller episodes, and I think it works really well. It's so sad, but so human. Uh, so I'm going to say that uh, Ned gave Bart and Lisa $44, so I'm going to give this a uh, 38 out of 44. What do you think, Craig? Yeah, I agree. This was very much a nice call back sentimental episode like we always reference marge be not proud and this is in fact 
same writer of that episode kind of do the mm-hmm. same thing, but using Bart and Lisa as not just Bart as the shitheads. I think yeah. it's a lot of fun. I feel like the B story with Marge or with Homer and uh, Agnes felt more modern. Like, like we got a combination. Uh, yeah. A mixture of like classic story with like a, what a, a modern tale. The thing I like about Marge being not proud of Steve, what, was there a B story in that? I don't think there is. No, not really. So that's why I no. like wish there was just what the whole story was just Lisa and Bart. Mm-hmm. And maybe Homer not doing anything, but just need to be in the background. But of course, this is the TV show is called Bart and the <laughs> Simpsons featuring Homer and Maggie. It's true. With Agnes, too. I think that's the whole title now. That's what it is called now. Yeah. yeah. It was just a fun episode. And classic, classic Simpsons, I think. Classic structure. Right. But I think the great thing is like they're having like the junior detective kid, but for them, they didn't need the kid to deduce that their mother was sad. <laughs> Very nice. Thinking, yes. Uh, so if I gave this episode a raking, you know, Lisa says parents can live to about 80. But then when I do uh, my own research <laughs> on my preferred uh, search engine, uh, being.com, uh-huh. I just type in how long parents live. And Pet MD says they could generally live from eight to 15 years, but larger birds like Parrots can, great parrots especially, can live from 25 to 50. But the oldest known parrot was a cockatoo for at least 82 at his death. While it's not officially documented, many pets uh, believe they can be lived 75 to 100 years of age. So I think uh, Lisa's a little off with the 80. So I would have said like parrots can live to like 50 years. But how old is something large, by the way? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, but I'll I'll go stick with Lisa's, you know, 80 years. Uh, I'll give Marge the age. I think that Steve and I will die. Hmm. 77. Nice. Are you okay dying in 77? I think so. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what else am I going to do? You're okay. <laughs> uh, all right, Steve. Uh, yeah, I thought Iron Marge, probably one of the tops of the, we had with six episodes this season. Yeah. Definitely on the top three for me. Yeah, I'd say probably the top three for me as well. But will next week's be in the top three of seven? Ooh. Because Steve- it is the seventh episode, after all. Wow. Yeah. What do you think the episode title is? Well, we're getting closer to Thanksgiving, but I don't think we're going to do it just yet. I think they'd wait till after Thanksgiving to do it, much like they did with the Halloween episode. But maybe they'll still be, like, autumnal. Uh, so I'm going to say that the episode title is going to be The Fall Guy. You know, there's like, a new uh, remake with Ryan Gosling coming out of The Fall Guy. Yeah, it's going to be a cross-promotion. Yeah. But this one, Homer just has to rake leaves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, how much money is he going to get from Flanders from raking those leaves? I know. $44 for just two leaves. And wow. Yeah. Homer can quit his job at the power plant and just rake Ned's leaves. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Ned Nails Marge. Yeah. That's the beat plot. No, Steve, that's actually the title, Ned Nails Marge. Oh, okay. No. It's actually called... It's a Blunderful Life, which, you know, I thought you were going in towards the uh, Christmas season, and It's a Wonderful Life. It's very much one yeah. watches this, so yeah. Uh, but is It's a Blunderful Life a Christmas episode, Steve? Do you think it would be? What do you think it would be about? Huh. I mean, you would think it would be a Christmas episode, but it seems so early. Um, but Blunder, I think it's going to be, um, when I think of Blunder, I think of those nerds from the college, uh, you know, who hope that somebody got fired for that Blunder. So I think it's going to focus on college, uh, Homer's college friends, and they're on a break, and they want to uh, start a tech company, but they want Homer's help. Um, but Homer's not sure if he wants to work with nerds. 
And also in the B-plot, Marge and Ned get it out. Well, you're wrong. No. As always, Steve. You're the most <laughs> wrongest person in Wrongsville. Nobody's been more wrong than me. Yeah. But you were kind of close with thinking about Thanksgiving because Lisa recounts the story of how Homer was scapegoated for a power outage that plunged Springfield into darkness days before Thanksgiving. Huh. See, we're getting a Thanksgiving episode. Interesting. I like it. But it's nice because it's going to air November 19th, the week of Thanksgiving. So that's Sunday going into Thanksgiving. So that at least the Thanksgiving is close enough to the instead of Treehouse of War, right? Yeah. Uh, it was written by Elizabeth Kieran Averick. Ooh. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to a holiday-esque themed episode. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yes. And uh, we hope that you have fun with us as well. And we hope you listen. And uh, thanks for listening this week. Yeah. Hey, contact us on social media, like uh, Threads or YouTube, at 138Simpsons. And you can always email us at 138Simpsons at gmail.com. And hey, if you're so kind, go to your favorite podcasting app, leave us five stars or the equivalent, and write a real review. But it doesn't need to be a real review. You can just uh, tell us the worst gift that you ever gave your mom. Well, if that was the worst gift, then surely the best gift you could give your mother is a t-shirt with the Annoyed Grat Boys. So you could get that at tpublic.com slash user slash Annoyed Grat Boys. And hey, I mentioned that uh, podcasting app. While you're there, leave us a voicemail. Leave us your worst impression of The Simpsons. Leave us uh, a question, an answer, whatever you want. We want to hear from you. Yeah, we just want to hear the answer. And then we'll mm-hmm. form the question. Oh, man, we're going to get uh, Alex Trebek calling us now, aren't we? I know. What is I sue your ass? And wow, he's still alive. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Steve, for this week, I've been annoyed. Grunt boy Craig. And I've been annoyed. Grunt boy Steve. And remember... Feelings aren't stupid. Some are evil, but not stupid. I smell like a lot of things. Itch, please.